I'm so excited to be up here with everybody today. Uh, for those of you who may not know who I am, like Brad said, my name is Connor Tinch, and I get the honor and privilege to be one of our youth pastors here at our Beaver Creek campus. Yes. All of them are sitting right here in this moment. But for those of you who do know who I am, there's a good chance that you're looking up here right now and you're thinking, what in the world is this dude doing with a microphone right now, okay? And if you're thinking that, it's probably because you've seen me talk way too loud into a microphone during our online pre-show. You've probably seen me at some point pretend to be a Super Bowl broadcaster. And if you've been here long enough, you've seen me jump out of a freezing cold baptismal in a crew neck and jeans. It was absolutely terrible, let me just say that, okay? But even with all of that being said, I can stand up here today and say one of the greatest uh, blessings I have ever received was the call to be a pastor. And today I get to live out that calling by being your pastor with the only goal in mind of making sure everybody walks out of here knowing a little bit more about that man named Jesus. We on the same page? We good? All right. That would have been very awkward if you said no right there. But today we are wrapping up our identity theft series. And man, it has been so good because we have been diving in and talking about the fact that we live in a world who tries to dictate who we are and who we are not. But we've also talked about how there's a God who does not care what the world has to say because he has already spoken it into our lives together. And one of the coolest things about this series specifically is the fact that we took all of the I am statements of Jesus and we added it into our 21 days of prayer and fasting to kick off the beginning of the year. And let me tell you, one of the coolest things that I've ever witnessed happened during that time. And it was actually last Saturday. And so if you were here for our corporate prayer last Saturday, there was this beautiful moment when Pastor Sheila came up and she said, hey, today, we're gonna have an open microphone. Everybody got like a piece of paper with specific times on it that said, okay, this is, you can pray for this or this or this. And so me going into it, I was not very confident. And so I started walking around to all the different staff members like, okay, Keisha, you do this. If nobody comes up at this time, if nobody comes up, you do this. And man, were my expectations blown out of the water because the first three people to come up to the microphone and to, to pray out loud in front of a room full of people was a middle school boy, a high school girl, and a fifth grade girl. Man, yeah, let's celebrate that. It was so cool to see how God had given them the courage and the boldness to come up and to pray into a microphone, and I walked away with my faith being a whole lot bigger. And so that, that was easily my favorite part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. But, but as we close this series together, we're gonna be diving into John chapter eight, verse 12, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the title of my message for today is I am lit. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, I am lit. <laughs> Once you've done that, if you would stand for the reading of scripture. We're gonna be looking at some more, but for now, we're just gonna start with John chapter eight, verse 12, and see what exactly it says. And it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have 
the light of life. Hey, let's pray together. Dear God, we're so grateful for your presence here today. God, I pray that during our time together that you speak directly to each and every single individual that is here in room, who is in Ironton, who is watching online, and you deliver the exact message that you need them to hear. We love you, God. And it's in your son's name we will always pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, go ahead and high five five people around you, and then you can go ahead and have a seat. go. Jesus is the light of the world. To get our brain juices flowing this morning, I want you to think about this question. How do you see light used within your own life? You see, for me, this was, this was a really fun question to wrestle with, especially as a former athlete, because one of the first things I thought about were those Friday night lights. Come on, anybody else? All right, the high schoolers agree, great. Um, so I, if you ask me, there's nothing better than the combination of sweater weather and the sun sinking down halfway through the first quarter, just truly exposing the power of the stadium lights and setting the scene for the entire evening to come. Man, when I, when I think about light within my life, I think about the over-the-top obnoxious LED headlights that some people have within their cars. Yep. Now, if you are one of said people, good for you, no judgment here. I'm very glad that you can see 120 miles in front of you at all times, okay? <laughs> the rest of us would just like the ability to see something as we pass you on the road, all right? I think of those, oh, I don't like them, the LED headlights. When, when I think about how I see light used within my own life, I think about the warm summer sun. I think about laying out next to the pool. I think about going to the beach and just soaking in the rays of sunshine. And it is especially nice to think about that when it's January and we live in Ohio, right? Come on. <laughs> you see, for you, you, you might think about the lamp that your spouse turns on an hour and a half earlier than you wake up every single day. Maybe, maybe you think about the 120,000 pictures you have to take until the lighting is just right before you post it on all 42 social media platforms. But no matter what it is, I'm, I'm confident to say that whatever example you came up with in your head, it's not a bad thing. It's good, except for the headlights. If you have not gotten that, that's the first note right there. Don't get LED headlights right now. But you see, as we start to dive into our scripture for today, as we truly start to look at what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the light of the world, we're going to start to realize that God uses light in ways that we don't. God uses light in ways that we don't. And spoiler alert, God also does it a whole lot better than we do it too, okay? And so let's dive into, let's dive into uh, John chapter 8, verse 2, and let's start to see where we see the different ways light is used. It says this, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them, he being Jesus. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, 
This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And before we truly start to unpack everything that we just read there, I think it's important to recognize the situation that Jesus is in right here in this moment. You see, in the previous chapter, in chapter seven, that's actually the day before this whole incident happens. And what, ha and what we see is Jesus had gone into the temple courts, but he did not go in there planning to teach. He went in there planning to listen, planning to observe, and planning to see what was going on. But as he was sitting there, he started to listen to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he started to realize that they weren't necessarily practicing what they preached. You see, in this time, the Pharisees, they were, they were the religious leaders. They were the, they were the pastors. They were the people that got up and taught in the temples and preached and told everybody what God wanted for their life. But as, as Jesus was sitting there, he started to realize, he was like, ah, not necessarily what I meant, right? And so naturally, like anybody who has ever been in a situation where a stranger has come in and started to tell them how to do their job, the Pharisees got a little bit defensive. The Pharisees were pretty mad. And at one point, they even tried to arrest Jesus, but the scripture tells us that it wasn't his time yet. And so they, they stormed out of there. They were huffing and puffing, and they were all mad. That's not what scripture says. That's just what I picture in my brain, okay? And so then that leads us to where we are when we start in verse two. And so what we see is Jesus is in the temples and he is teaching to the people who are there that are listening to them. And in the middle of that teaching, the Pharisees had the audacity to burst through the doors, to parade this woman in front of a temple room full of people and to throw her in front of Jesus. You see, I, I think it's important to stop and to recognize that within verses three and four, so two out of the four verses that we just read, mention the fact that this woman was just caught in the act of adultery. And so what that means is that the Pharisees did not storm out of there and go find out about a woman who had made a mistake two weeks ago. They didn't, they didn't go out and, and uh, hire a paid actress to come in and play a role to get, stick it to Jesus, right? No, it says, it says they caught this woman in the act of adultery. You see, they violated this woman's privacy in a moment of weakness. This woman was, was there in one of, if not the darkest moments of her life, and they grabbed her, and they humiliated her, and they threw her down at the feet of Jesus. And I wonder how many of you are in here today that can relate to that same woman that we're talking about. I wonder how many people are in here who have been betrayed, who have been stabbed in the back, who has entrusted somebody with something so secret and so sacred to you and your soul, and then they turn around and they completely expose you. And then all of a sudden you're left sitting there with this range of emotions, everything from sorrow to anger to humility to confusion, and you have no idea what your next step is going to be. This woman was broken and she was at the lowest part of her life. And when in that same moment, what we see 
is that the world, or in this case, the Pharisees, use light to condemn other people, or in this case, a spotlight to condemn other people. And if you're like me, you hear about this, this story and you're like, I'd never do that. Like looking specifically at this context, I'm good. This looks like an episode of Jerry Springer or something. Like I don't want any part of it within my life. But what we learn is that when we, when we take this story and put it into today's world and today's culture, we end up realizing that we are more like the Pharisees than we would probably like to admit. Let me, put it, let me, let me show you this example. Who in here, and you can raise your hand if you want, I'll raise my hand, it's fine. Who in here has ever screenshotted somebody's post on social media and sent it to the family group chat as a joke? There should be a whole lot more hands up in this room right now, okay? Maybe, maybe you didn't necessarily like the new haircut that they got. Maybe, maybe you're jealous that their 2023 vacation highlight reel was two and a half minutes longer than your lifetime vacation highlight reel. Maybe, maybe you, you see this person and you see their name, you see their face, and because they, they stand for a, uh, the opposite political party than you do, before they even say a word, you're considering them uneducated, wrong, out of their mind. So yeah, we, we, we might not be just exactly like the Pharisees are in this story, but there's still times within our own lives that we use light to condemn other people. And now, I, I want to stop and acknowledge the fact that if I ended the message there and I prayed and we all went to lunch, we probably wouldn't be talking about how great our God is, right? <laughs> But that's because we have only seen the Pharisee side or the human side of this story. You see, you see, God does not use light to condemn or to hurt or to shame or to guilt you. No, 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 no. Like we said earlier in the beginning, God uses light in a different way. Let's, let's jump back into the story and let's see how Jesus proved them wrong. Starting in verse six, it says, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing them. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. You see, in this moment, the Pharisees thought they had Jesus cornered. In this moment, these religious teachers thought that they were going to be able to look at him and say, ha, gotcha. But, it, but in reality, he looks at them and he says, okay, you have brought her in. You have humiliated her already. And so you've made your point now. 
Whoever is without sin within their life, be the first to throw a stone at her. What he's saying in this moment is the first person to to publicly admit that they are perfect, that they've never done anything wrong, and that they are flawless. Go ahead, throw that first stone. And they realized that they, they couldn't do that. They could not admit that because they had issues within their own life that needed to be handled first. And so as they're walking away, they slowly start to go away until it's just Jesus and the woman sitting there. And Jesus looks at her, and what does he do? He acknowledges her sin. He asks, where are those who were condemning you? And then he looks at her and he says, go and leave your life of sin. Do not allow this to be the defining moment within your life. Leave this behind and walk in the light that I have to offer for you. You see, this woman went from being humiliated to completely saved because she was in the presence of Jesus. But here's what I find so fascinating about this story. You see, I've heard this story preached before. I've read this story before in my Bible. I've, I've watched videos about it. And every single time that I've heard of it or I've read it, I've acknowledged the fact that when it becomes just Jesus and the woman one-on-one, she experiences true healing. But here's what's mind-blowing to me as I, as I figured out as I was reading this message. The healing did not start when Jesus was one-on-one with the woman. There was healing, the woman was healed, she was saved, but that's not where it started. You see, the healing started when the first Pharisee dropped their stones. You see, these Pharisees had paraded this woman in to the presence of Jesus, expecting to humiliate her, expecting to expose her, expecting to break her down. But just like the woman experienced in that moment, they had to show her forgiveness. And that forgiveness is proof that there is healing within their own lives that happened in this same moment. So I want to ask you this question. What areas of your life need to be exposed to the light of Jesus? What areas within your own life need to be entered into the presence of Jesus so that it can experience the healing that he has to offer? And now I I recognize that that's a pretty loaded question, right? And so I want to tell you guys how I have seen Jesus heal my personal life. You see, I haven't always been a pastor. To be completely honest, it was never in the plans for me to be a pastor, right? In my plans that I had. But, but I remember my family and I, we came in here and I can see the section that we'd sit in every week. And for five years we came and we had a faith that was alive on a Sunday, right? But, but while I was coming and I was attending and I was just sitting in the pews, it was in February of 2021 that I hit my lowest point and I had absolutely hit rock bottom. Now, Naturally, I was a little thrown off because I didn't think you could hit rock bottom at 20, right? And it all started in February when, when the long-term girlfriend that I had 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 called me and out of nowhere, she left me. And now if, if I left the story here, that'd be a pretty cheesy rock bottom, right? I, I recognize that. 
But that was the last thing that completely shattered my life. Because, because below the surface, I was working 40 hours a week at a restaurant while also taking a full-time schedule at Wright State. And let me tell you, I had all D's and an F, almost perfect grades. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Not, that's not funny at all. And, and below that surface, too, I just found out that my grandpa, my hero, my childhood hero, had just been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And below that, I was at a spot in my life when I could not remember the last time I had gone 24 hours sober. I had lost direction. I had lost purpose. I did not know what my next steps were supposed to be. And so after I got off of that phone call, I vividly remember, and I will always remember this moment, because since I had been sitting in a pew for five years and hearing about this man named Jesus, and I had no idea what my next step was going to be, I found myself naturally falling down onto my knees. Now, guys, like I said, I had a faith that was alive on Sundays. I'd never prayed on a Tuesday night before, okay? <laughs> this was weird. This was different. This was something I had never felt before. And I remember I got down on my knees and all I could get out was, God, I don't know what my next step is. Everything seems dark. All the roads seem closed off. All the doors feel locked right now in this moment. And I don't know where I am going to go. And you see, I didn't realize it then, but I can confidently look back and say now that for the first time in my life, I was truly in the presence of Jesus. And, and when I tell you that I was overflowed with this peace that made absolutely no sense, it was this surreal moment and this surreal feeling. And the weirdest part was I got up and I went over here and all my problems were still alive. They were still there. They were still active. I still had no idea what my next step was going to be. But because I had entered into the presence of Jesus, I had this confidence out of nowhere to say, yeah, I don't know what my next step is going to be, but I know that I can enter into this presence and feel this feeling and feel this peace and mercy and forgiveness whenever I need to. And so I want to ask you that question again. What are the areas of your life that need to be exposed to the healing and the light that Jesus has to offer? Because, because just like the, the woman showed us, it does not matter what the sin is in your life. It does not matter what your situation looks like. It does not matter the shame you feel or the darkness that you might feel within your life because when we lay these things at the feet of Jesus, we start to feel a little bit better in our days. 
When we lay these things down at the feet of Jesus, we start to realize that we don't serve a God who uses light to condemn or to hurt or to shame. We step into the presence of Jesus and realize that we serve a God who heals, who sets us free, who shows us forgiveness, and who wants nothing more than a relationship with you. See, this woman and myself, we, we, had a, we had an encounter with Jesus that changed the trajectory of our life, not forever, but for eternity. And, and so now what? It's literally what I have in my notes. Now what? <laughs> We've heard about this woman we, we've seen how Jesus not only healed her, but healed the Pharisees. What are we supposed to do? If you ask me, we've got two options. I'm sure there's more than two options, but for today, we've got two options, okay? And the first option we have is we can continue to live like this world. We can continue to use the, the exposure that we have. We can continue to use the platforms that we have to tear people down, to condemn them, to make them feel less than what they truly are. Or we can be like this woman. Now, I'm not saying that we, we have to be publicly humiliated to get into the presence of Jesus, right? But what I do know from personal experience is that when we are willing to come into the presence of Jesus, when we are willing to take our life in our hands, no matter if it's in two pieces or if it's in two million pieces, and we can lay it down at the feet of Jesus, and what we're gonna learn is that yes, I do have sin in my life that needs to be gone, but that does not define who I am. I have fallen short. I, I'm in this terrible situation where I don't know what my next move is, but we serve a God who wants a relationship with us. We serve a God who created us, who has given us a unique and specific purpose within this world. And he wants nothing more than for you to go out and to expand his kingdom. I, I want to look at it this way real quick. All right, so for just a minute, I want you guys to pretend that I'm really, really smart in photography and I did not have to ask a bunch of people a bunch of different questions for these things, okay? In photography, what I've learned is that to, to get the perfect picture, there's a couple different factors when it comes to light specifically. And two of those factors, I'm sure there's many more, but two of those factors are the specific light source itself and how far away you are, right? The, t the intensity of the light source and the distance, how close you are to it. And in photography, those are two of the factors that determine how much of the light is exposed within the picture. But the same thing is true when we start a relationship with Jesus. The more we enter into his presence, the closer that we draw to him, the more that we are going to see that he has a hand in every situation that we are facing within our lives. We are going to recognize that even though our situation still might be here, our sin might still be present, our situation might still be, feel dark, but the more that I enter into the presence of Jesus, the less that this matters and the more that he matters. And when we spend time in the presence of Jesus, when we look at him and we, we walk out into the world, 
People are going to recognize. People are going to look at you and realize that something's different. And they're not going to be looking at you like, ooh, you got a haircut. Nice. I like it, right? No, they're going to look at you and they're going to realize something's different. Something has changed within them and you are going to have the ability to look at them and say, I've had an encounter with Jesus. I have spent time within his light and within his presence that he has to offer every single day. People, people start to notice because Jesus changes you and your heart along the process. He's not just worried about your situation and your sin. He's worried about you. But, it, but it's important to recognize that there's, there's another side to photography as well. There's another role that has to be played. You see, in photography, there's this thing called an iris, right, within the lens. And whoever is taking the picture has the ability to open or close the iris. And when you're taking pictures, you have to get it to the perfect spot to where the perfect amount of light is coming through so that you can get the best picture. But one, one thing that I think we can all agree on is in photography is that the light source and how close you are to it does not matter if the lens is completely closed. The same thing is true when we have a relationship with Jesus. We can get as close to the light as we want. We can spend as much time as we want in prayer and in his word and in his presence. But if we are completely shut off, how are we ever going to truly experience what he has in store for us? And so today, as, as we start to close our time together, if you haven't heard a single word that I've said, I want you to hear me when I say this that the same God who healed the woman in the story, the same God who came into my own life and turned everything around, the same God who is still moving and working in the lives of each and every single one of you today was the same God who stepped off of his throne to come and die for our salvation. You see, Jesus came down to earth and he lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life down here. He was the perfect example of how each of us should wake up and be every single day. But he still loved us enough to take the ultimate punishment so that we would have the opportunity to step into the light that he has for us. He, he did it so that we could have a relationship with the Father and so that we could spend eternity with him. And, and, and so the whole reason why I say, if you haven't heard anything, hear this, is Jesus loves you and he craves that relationship. He was thinking of you, whether you are completely wide open to him on the cross, but he was also thinking about you on the cross if you've completely shut him out for your entire life. see, our, our God, Jesus, he does not use light to condemn. He doesn't use light to hurt. He doesn't use light to shame. He uses his light 
to completely transform our lives. Might not be when we want it. Might not look exactly how we want to. But he is willing and able as long as you are willing to step into his presence and be open to the life change that is available to you. Will you guys stand with me in this moment? Last thing I'll say. If you haven't truly started a relationship with Jesus, Pastor Keisha is about to come up on this stage and give you that opportunity. No matter what life may look like right now, whether you've accepted Jesus or not, I encourage you to say that prayer of salvation and truly accept the healing that he has and wants to give you within your life. Let's pray. God, we're so, so grateful for you and your presence. God, I pray that as, as we leave this place today, that you allow your spirit to continue to fill us every single step that we take. God, I pray that you, that you enter into the lives of every individual in person and watching online and you show them just what you have in store for them. Show them that your presence and your light brings healing and brings freedom within your name. We love you. And it's in your son's name we will always pray. Amen.